the canine condition. Come, sit, stay. Welcome to season two of the Canine Condition Podcast. I am your host, Jackie Pignol. Each episode is a conversation with a trustworthy dog rescue organization or animal welfare advocate that will leave you inspired and empowered. This is the why, where, and how to adopt or help a canine family member. The goal is to save homeless dogs and set you up for success with information and resources to raise and keep a healthy and well-balanced dog. Embark on this journey with me, and let's save humans' best friend together. Everybody loves the beautiful Siberian Huskies. But I want to read you the definition of the Siberian Husky, since this episode is going to be all about them. The Siberian Husky is a medium-sized working sled dog breed. It is recognizable by its thickly furred double coat, erect triangular ears, and distinctive markings, and is smaller than the similar-looking Alaskan Malamute. Siberian Huskies originated in Northeast Asia. It is an active, energetic, resilient breed whose ancestors lived in the extreme cold and harsh environment of the Siberian Arctic. Today, the Siberian Husky is typically kept as a house pet. So let me just say that just because Huskies are adaptable and can be family companions and house pets doesn't mean that every human who wants one is automatically prepared to have one. The key words to look into if you are a Husky lover and you would like to adopt one are working dog breed, active, energetic. Husky dogs are still bred and sold for profit all over this country and hundreds of them end up abandoned in city shelters or surrendered to dog rescue organizations for rehoming because people buying them were not prepared to give a husky the time, guidance, and attention it needs. But if you do your homework and you prepare, you are surely in for a life of adventure with a most beautiful companion. My guest on the podcast today is Lorraine Healy. She is a husky dog expert and founder of Husky House, a licensed 501c3 nonprofit rescue organization in the tri-state area. Husky House is dedicated to helping abandoned Siberian Huskies, as well as all breeds of dogs, including mixes, have a second chance in life and a place to call home, which they so richly deserve. We are going to talk about all things Husky and help set you up for success if you are indeed interested in saving a Husky and making one a part of your life. Welcome to the Canine Condition Podcast, Lorraine. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so happy that we get to have this chat. I want to let my listeners know how I know about Husky House, New Jersey, and how I got to meet you virtually all these years. We've never actually met in person. I have some friends in New York City, Debbie and Dave, who adopted a beautiful Husky from you years ago, who is now named Squirrel and was named Lonnie back then. And when I started my rescue journey with the documentary with trying to save dogs out of the South primarily at the time, they said, there is this wonderful Husky rescue in New Jersey. You have to check them out. And that was the beginning of me following you on Instagram and Facebook and connecting with you. And so here we are, and we're going to talk all things Husky today. So tell us, uh, to begin with, when you founded the rescue and why? What led you to begin this journey for yourself? I actually had a my first Husky. I got her right out of high school. And my uh, boyfriend at the time wound up um, getting me another Husky puppy from a pet store. And 
I, when I got my first computer, I did a search for Huskies and I came across the Siberian Husky Club of America website and their rescue program. And I read every story on every single, I was up all night. I read every story across the country and I was horrified and I wanted to volunteer and there really wasn't anything happening in New Jersey or New York for Huskies. So I started reaching out to some other groups on the East Coast and they had told me that New Jersey and New York was in pretty bad shape Husky-wise and that there was nobody here doing anything. That's how it started. And then I just started doing it myself. That was the point where you said, I'm going to get licensed and become an official Husky Rescue? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I want to let listeners know also that when I connected with you, I remember it, it was coincidental. I had received a call from a veterinarian in Georgia because I had been on this journey trying to help save dogs and get to know what the canine condition was like. I got to know people down there, and I had adopted a dog from a shelter, a pit bull, uh, brindle pit mix, huckleberry. This vet called me and said, listen, we have this beautiful husky girl here. Um, We're not sure that she's all dog friendly, but she's beautiful. She's sweet to people. The owners left her here. And you know what happens if she sits here for too long? They're basically saying to me, can you help or else, right? And I kind of cold called you (laughs) and I said, hey, is there any way I can help you help this dog? Because I know that asking rescues for help, what I want my listeners to understand is that, yeah, we can say and see and say something, but it's easier if we take part and get actively involved in the rescue rather than, hey, hey, rescue, knock, knock, here, save this dog, bye. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate you for opening that door, you know, and you're also very honest. If you're full, if you can't take dogs in, if you're maxed out, you also say no. And that's really important because you want to be fair to the ones that you already have. And more of us have to take action in order for this to work out smoothly for the dogs. And thankfully, Shadow, that dog back then, made it to Husky House via transport. Debbie and Dave helped pick her up and take her to your rescue, and and she did get a wonderful family. So I want to thank you for for Shadow and now Zeke and Blue and Simba and Rebel, who is uh, currently with you guys because they've all come from the South and gone to Husky House to find amazing families. Why do you think we're seeing so much abandonment of Huskies around the country? I mean, I look at social media alone, and the shelters are always full of Huskies in the last year to two years. I think... They are beautiful. And it's also it's a blessing. It's also a curse. I think a lot of people see these adorable little husky puppies with the blue eyes, and they have absolutely no idea what they're bringing home. And they can be destructive. And they are it's a working breed. So it's not a dog that you can just have in an apartment that just hangs out like they, they can get themselves into trouble if they're not exercised properly. And I think it's just education where people just are looking at the looks of a dog and not actually the breed of the dog and what that dog is capable of and what that dog is bred for. And they, not all, but a lot of them are not good with small animals. They're not cat friendly. So they're not really suitable playmates for a household that has, you know, maybe a Yorkie or a cat or not to say that it can't happen, it can't happen ever, but 
for the most part. So I think people just don't know what they're getting themselves into and they bring this dog home and then they contact us when the dog is completely out of control. And, you know, if they can't get into us or they don't want to wait on it, because right now we have a waiting list and some people just don't want to wait. Like they, they contact us and they've made their decision and that's it. If the rescue can't open up their doors immediately, then they drop them off at the shelter. And there's just, you know, and we get calls from all over the country for Huskies and we try and focus on our local dogs first. So our local Huskies take priority and people are surrendering multiples at a time. So it's, um, you really need to, whether it's a Husky or, or an Akita or a German Shepherd, you really need to do your research on what type of dog you're bringing into your house. And if your lifestyle will coincide with that. And it's, you know, we try and educate people when we do our screening process. And sometimes people fill out an application and it's just not the right home for a Husky. And it's not that they are not a good home for a dog, just not for this particular breed. And they, you know, they get upset. They don't want to listen. And they'll go out and purchase a Husky at a pet store or a backyard breeder. And then they wind up contacting us in a few months to surrender the dog. Oh, my gosh. Has that happened? It happens a lot. Oh, my gosh. Where we have applicants that we turn down for a Husky, and they don't want to hear about any other breeds or anything else, and they go and buy it, and then they surrender it to us for the exact reasons that we try to explain to them during the application process. Wow. I I don't even know what to say to them. <laughs> right? Very frustrating. Very frustrating because it's almost like, I mean, they put you in a position of almost having to say, I told you so. Why don't how can you not get angry? I'm standing here getting angry for for you, you know. (laughs) And, you know, and it's it's hard when it's the same. It's the same thing over and over. Like we we deal with applications every day of families that just aren't suitable for a husky. And that doesn't mean that they're a bad home and that they shouldn't have a dog, just not a husky. And they do, they want what they want. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, the dog pays the price. Yeah. And we have addressed this on the podcast. Other organizations have come in and other representatives from organizations have said, you know, it's not that those homes, like you said, are not great homes for a dog. If people would just trust that the licensed rescue organization doing the adoption process actually is more experienced and knows more about the proper placement. They're like matchmakers. And for all of my listeners who are considering adoption, or if you're still fixated on having to buy a dog. Well, we don't want you to surrender that dog to a shelter or rescue. We want you to do your homework only because it will help you live a longer, happier life with that dog and not have to surrender it. Um, It's a huge thing around here. I I see it everywhere. We in California don't buy, can't buy from pet stores anymore. There aren't any here, but I do know New Jersey still has them, correct? They do. People still buy dogs at pet stores, unfortunately, right? We get a lot of pet store husky puppies that people have purchased for you know huge amounts of money <laughs> you know two three four thousand dollars and wow. surrender it to us you know within a month and it is believed from what i've learned through other organizations like bailing out benji who focuses on closing down puppy mills they've seen with their own eyes huskies in puppy mills who then get, the puppies get transported in these huge trucks and they end up 
getting then into vans who then drive to the parking lot of the pet store, drop them off, and that's the puppy you're buying from some puppy mill somewhere in the middle of the country. And the mom dog and dad dog sit there just making more puppies so that you can have what you want, only maybe to surrender it later on, right? Exactly. And we take in a lot of the puppy mill breeder dogs when the mills are done with them. We do a lot of puppy mill rescue. And these to see these huskies come out of literally rabbit hutches that they, they've lived their entire life in a rabbit <sighs> hutch and not know, not know how to be a dog. And, you know, we have to carry them from point A to point B because they just, they're just terrified and shut down. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking because huskies are happy-go-lucky goofballs that, you know, that are nosy and up in your business 24-7. And to see that breed completely shut down like that is, it's just heartbreaking. And our mill dogs, they, we have one now, Suki, who she spends her entire day on a little toddler bed in the playroom. And she, because there's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So for the first several weeks she was with us, she never moved off that toddler bed. Oh, we would have to pick her up, bring her outside to potty. And then she would run back and go back to that toddler bed. And then at night, once we closed down, she would come to life because I would watch her on the cameras downstairs and she would run around and play with the other dogs because there was no people around. It's heartbreaking. And now she, she's been with us probably a month and a half, two months. And now she's finally, she'll start coming out when people are out because she's watching the other dogs. And then she's like, Oh no, no, no. And then she runs back to her little top of bed and she's like, that's her safe spot. And then she'll be like, okay, I'll try this again. So every day she gets a little bit further and a little bit further out, but you know, she'll be, she'll be probably an eight to 10 month project just to right. get her comfortable with being around people, which is sad. Right. That's because that's just whole life like that. One dog. Right. Yeah. Right. And what is your your adoption process? Do you adopt out to families who haven't had huskies before? Or do you try to maybe just select experienced pet owners? Or how does that work? For Because you want what's best for the dog and the family. So what's the best way to go about the screening process when, when you're dealing with huskies? And like you said, um, any of those working breed dogs? Because you take other breeds too, right? We do. We take, we focus on Huskies, but we do take um, all breeds. And with Huskies, it's uh, well, with all dogs, it's on a case-by-case basis. Some okay. dogs will require breed experience while others will not. Um, as far as Husky puppies, if we get purebred Husky puppies into our program, we do require that those families have previous Husky experience because as a puppy, we don't know exactly how mischievous they're going to be, what, how strong their husky traits are going to be. And they've already, they're babies and they're already in rescue. So they've already been abandoned once. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that the people that adopt husky puppies from us have extensive husky experience. So that is a, a policy that we just won't stray from everybody else a, a year and older it depends upon the dog. So some dogs can go to a first time dog family even, and others cannot. So some need a fenced in yard and others don't. Some, you know, some need no children. Some, some can be with children. Um, so 
it all depends upon the dog. So there's not, besides the puppy policy, there's really not a strict, the only other strict policy would be an electric fence with Huskies okay. where um, we won't put a Husky on an electric fence. Other breeds can do well with that, but not Siberians. They'll go yeah. right through it. So again, and that, uh, you know, some adopters don't like those policies where, you know, they want a red and white Husky and the only red and white we have you know, needs to go to an experienced home. So it's a little, you know, some people get frustrated that, you know, they're looking at a photo as we're not just looking, yes, we post photos and videos, but there's a whole package. There's also the personality, the temperament. It's not just what the dog looks like. Right. And I've seen that, you know, I have volunteered in helping to run applications and adoptions, um, either long distance by making phone calls or reviewing, doing home visits locally. And I've learned that I know people with kids especially think like, oh, we're ready. Whenever I would see an application that said, we want to get a dog for our kids. That was like a big red flag. Like in my heart, I was like, oh, gosh, this this isn't good. (laughs) And not because we don't want kids to grow up with dogs. We do. But the dog has to be for the family and for the parents to take care of the dog. Do you see that, too? Do you see that there are parents who still kind of want to introduce a dog into the family but want the kids to be kind of in charge of the dog? Yes. So we we come across that actually quite frequently where they want to get the kids a dog for their birthday or for Christmas. And we don't do gifts on our adoptions. So it has to be a family decision. And, um, you know, that's one of the questions that we ask on the application is who's going to be responsible for taking care of the dog. And when we have an applicant put on there that an eight-year-old is going to be responsible, (laughs) it's a little worrisome. So, you know, the parents really have to be on board. And again, with a dog like a Husky, you really have to be on board because it's it's never a dull moment with one of these guys in the house. Right. And you know, Lorraine, I have to be honest, I've had friends out here in Los Angeles who have, they love Huskies because of how they look. And I get it. I look at them and I'm like, wow, you know, they're beautiful. All of them, no matter what age. And I've actually talked them out of getting one because I can see their lifestyle. You know, dad works all day long. Mom is in and out all day. The kids either have a nanny and are in and out at activities or I've just started school. And it's like the dog isn't just going to sit there and wait for you to come home and play with it. I mean, if, if everyone's gone and around and don't huskies need daily walks? I mean, do they need to get out more than just going to poop and potty in the yard type of thing? If you have a household like that, stuck on a husky you could do an older husky that maybe would do well in that environment depending like i have a 10 year old right now that is still crazy but i always tell people they need more than just a couple walks a day they need exercise they need rough house and you know just a couple walks a day for a young husky is not that's not enough they need more they need exercise and they need socialization and they do well with other dogs and they need to, you know, run around the the yard or go to doggy daycare or the dog park or have a buddy in the house that they can wrestle with. Like they need a lot of interaction and a lot of exercise. And otherwise you're going to, you're going to have a problem. It's, it's a high energy breed that they, they just don't stop. Yeah. 
I agree, and I and I've seen it, you know. So that's why I I was very happy that I was going to get to talk to you and that we were going to discuss huskies because, you know, I've tried recently in Los Angeles to help save some through, you know, reaching out for help, asking people if they can foster. Shelters are now offering foster programs because they're so desperate to at least have those type of working dog breeds active in a home so that they're ready for another permanent home. But I got to tell you, in the last, since 2020, I've seen, oh gosh, easily over 150 huskies in three of the biggest shelters here in Los Angeles. And that's just me. I'm, I'm sure there have been more. And it breaks my heart because they do get on those euthanasia lists. And they're young. A lot of them are two years old. They're not all the seniors. Some of them, seven or eight. But I see the young ones. I see puppies, like you said, surrendered to the shelter. And they're sitting there. And so that kennel, they're going crazy because they don't get enough attention. California, unfortunately, has a, a lot, a lot of huskies. And a lot of them... I mean, I see some of these shelters because I get their their lists every day. And some oh, of these do? valley shelters are euthanizing, you know, 10, 12 huskies a day. Yeah. I and they know. just keep coming in and they're all babies. They're all young, young dogs. Right. I definitely think there's also a thing with backyard breeders, which obviously infuriates me because people don't know what they're getting into or they either want to make a quick buck or they just forgot or didn't want to spay and neuter their husky and it got together with another either husky on purpose because they wanted to breed it and we've got 10 to 12 puppies. Do you take owner surrenders from backyard breeders? Do backyard breeders even come to you and go, ah, I got myself in trouble or how do you deal with that scenario out there? Do you see it in New Jersey? We do. Um, Actually, we have a guy recently that just randomly shows up at this is the second time he's shown up first thing in the morning with a husky puppy that he says he found hmm. um, in Arkansas. <laughs> and it was a very strange story that Arkansas happened last year with another husky puppy. And we pulled that file for that husky puppy as well. And it's the same guy. So oh. and he's local here. So I think he's, a backyard breeder. We've had families surrender the mom, the dad, and they're ready to have puppies any minute now. We've had people surrender the mom and a litter of puppies because they intentionally did it. And now they have eight, 10 puppies and they're just done. A lot of different scenarios. Um, We do take owner surrenders if we have space. So it all, it would all depend. I mean, a, a dog in a shelter would take priority over an owner surrender but they all eventually end up at the same place. So um, yeah, space is really the, the factor, you know, do we have anywhere to, to put them? And, you know, when it's a mom and babies, I usually foster all of the moms and babies. We have, um, we have another volunteer that is experienced with that. So you want to make sure that, you know, that's a lot of work and you really need to know what you're doing and know what to look for and, each of those babies need to be weighed multiple times a day and make sure everyone is on the right track. And you can yeah. still, even though it's a larger breed, you can still get hypoglycemia issues and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it stinks that there are backyard breeders, but it's not going away anytime soon. Right. What is your opinion from, from what you see now to when you started? What is your general opinion of the canine condition as you see it in the United States? 
I think in some areas it's better. Like when I first started, there were tons of puppies in the shelters in New Jersey and New York. There's not a lot of puppies in the shelters here anymore, which is a good thing. There's more people doing spaying and neuter than there was, you know, 25 years ago. It's not perfect. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not enough, but it's better. But then there are other areas of the country where it's just getting worse. So um, I don't think anything from the dogs that we pulled down South, I don't think anything has changed. If anything, it's gotten worse. <sighs> I know. Um, we do a lot of rescue in the Houston area in Texas and it's getting worse. I think 90% of any Husky puppies that we get in to our program, I would say 90% of them are coming out of Houston. Wow. And, and it's litters, you know, it's a litter of five, a litter of 10, a litter of eight. And we try as much as we can. If they don't surrender the moms with us, with the puppies, which usually they do, but if they don't, we at least make sure that they allow us to spay and neuter so that it won't happen again. Right. Um, not everybody, but most people will comply. And since we're paying for it, they'll allow us to do it. Okay. And this is just families out there that are reaching out to you or that you find out about? Or is it also litters and shelters in Houston? It's both. And the scary thing with litters and shelters is that, you know, the, the disease that runs yeah. around. And Absolutely. You know, when you have newborn babies in a shelter, they're not, they're, they can't be vaccinated. So you run the risk of, of parvo, of distemper, and, and that's a whole nother game when that happens. Right. But, um, I mean, when you have a husky puppy or any puppy that co- comes in contact with parvo, I mean, you're looking at several thousand dollars a puppy and a 50-50 shot that they survive. So, you know, parvo virus is... It's scary and it's very expensive. And speaking of how expensive the vet bills can be with all of these dogs, I mean, you're taking on vet bills with almost every single one because they're spaying. Even at the at the simplest level of a healthy, happy, socialized dog, you still have spay and neuter, vaccines. You have to have the food for them, follow-ups, like you're saying, checkups, right? So I'm assuming Husky House bills can run pretty high in the veterinary department, Yes. Yes. Even with our discount and our vets give us phenomenal discounts. We've established such good relationships with our veterinarians that we work with. It's still, we run, we carry probably anywhere from 50 to $75,000 balance at all times. We have a great relationship with our specialty hospital here. We do a lot of, um, a lot of big medical cases. Uh, We have a lot of Huskies, unfortunately, that get hit by cars. So Huskies. Are they strays or are they like owner surrenders or people's pets and they reach out to you and say, oh, help me with my own dog or? They're, it's both. So we have strays that get picked up all over the country. We have owner surrenders that they're in hospital and the dog needs to be admitted and they either can't pay, they don't want to pay, whatever the case may be. And so we have hospitals contacting us. We have other rescues that contact us. So it, it, it varies, but the vet bills never go away. I mean, that's just, it never goes away. And even with our, we, we actually just raised our adoption fees, um, from three fifty to 400 and with puppies from four fifty to 500. And that's still not enough. I mean, even if you have a healthy dog that comes in, you need to 
vaccinate them. You need to do a fecal. You need to heartworm test them. You need to deworm them if they have any parasites. Most of them need to get groomed because they're, you know, filthy. They need to get spayed and neutered. They need to get microchipped. They need heartworm preventative. I mean, we, we spend on average about six to $800 a month on heartworm prevention. And that's just daily preventatives. Right, (laughs) right. So that doesn't include your flea and tick. That doesn't include anything else. And that's just a healthy dog needs all of that. Spay and neuters are with, with COVID, everything got backed up. Prices have increased. And, you know, just to do a spay and neuter is a couple hundred dollars. Right. And that doesn't include everything else. And very rarely do you get a dog that doesn't have anything wrong with it. You know, somebody has parasites or we just had Damien who was surrendered to us as a puppy. He was like five months old. Aww. And um, he wound up, you know, having juvenile cataracts. Oh, whoa. So, yeah, he was, nobody knew that he had that at the time. And then we just started noticing him at the facility just looked like, you know, he was having vision issues. And we took him to an ophthalmologist and, you know, $7,000. Oh my gosh. Are you so, you know, it's It's never ending. So to my listeners, if you want to do something for a Husky because you can't adopt, you can't foster, here's a wonderful opportunity for you to feel like you can make a difference in a Husky's life. And I'm sure if you reach out and say, hey, I want my donation to go to this dog's bill, would that be okay, Lorraine? Like if people want to help a certain dog and not just the general fund? Absolutely. And we try and be as transparent as possible. So we had, we did a fundraiser for Damien and lots of people that donated and people that even that didn't donate that were just following the story, but couldn't help out. Everybody wants to know like what happened to him. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, we try and do on social media, follow that story from the time he comes in to the time that he leaves, like going through, like, um, like I try and do, more live videos now where with the dogs going into their appointments for surgery, getting picked up from their appointments. Um, We post everybody's adoption picture online. We try and keep everybody in the loop. And it's, you know, a lot of people follow certain dogs and like, it's, which is cool. You know, sometimes they'll they'll reach out and be like, Hey, you know, I haven't seen an update on so-and-so in a couple of weeks. Is everything okay? And I'm like, (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just getting used to the social media stuff. And then we'll do a video. Um, one of our volunteers does uh, goes live and does chicken nugget parties. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. So she walks through the kennel live and hands out chicken nuggets. And people love the chicken nugget parties. <laughs> I need to go see that. So they get to, you know, keep an eye on who's still here and who's new. And so a lot of our, our followers actually you know, really pay attention to the individual dogs. And if you don't do an update on them, they, they will ask, you know, because we have a lot of dogs in our program. So we don't do individual updates on everyone weekly. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll follow us and, and want to know what is going on, because you haven't said anything about so and so in a certain amount of time. Right. I love that. I have to go see those chicken nugget parties. I have not seen those videos. I'm definitely going to check it out. 
talk to us about your facility. I visited your facility when we started shooting our documentary, which we're still, you know, putting together the episodes and Husky House is featured in one of the episodes. How is it set up for the dogs? And is it volunteers can come in, sign up to, to spend time with them? Or do you require a certain type of training to handle the Husky dogs at the rescue? We lease our facility. Uh, we have 48 kennels here. And then we have about 5,000 square feet outside of play yards. So there's a volunteer application on the website. So you fill out a volunteer app. You have to be at least 16. And then um, we do an orientation. And then when you start, so we start everybody off cleaning kennels. You get to know the different dogs and you get to know the routine and why doors are kept closed and why there's different areas how everything works, how to safely get dogs in and out of kennels. So you start off cleaning kennels and then we do play times out in the yard and with easy dogs. And then as you get more and more comfortable, your handling skills get better and better. And most people have huskies at home or have dogs at home. Mm -hmm. Then um, we'll let you start taking dogs out for walks off of the property. And we usually buddy you up with someone first. Okay. Okay. And then once you do that for a while, then we'll let you take, so it's usually about a two month process before you're, you know, on your own. Gotcha. And then you can take dogs out for walks. Um, We have a lot of volunteers that come and pick up dogs for the day, for the weekend. They do trips, they go hiking. We have a bar uh, not far from us, the Wonder Bar down at the, down at the beach at Asbury Park and they have yappy hour. Oh, gosh, that's cool. So a lot of our volunteers will pick up dogs and take them to Yappy Hour. Oh, my gosh, that's so neat. Which is nice. And a lot of our dogs get adopted at Yappy Hour, which is nice. So it gets them out. There's doggy pools there. The volunteers enjoy themselves. The dogs enjoy themselves. Mm -hmm. And it gets them out of the kennel. So it's, it's a great volunteer program. And it keeps the dogs active and like I do a walkthrough in the kennel every night before I go to bed. So I walk through probably between 11 and one. Mm -hmm. And when you walk through our kennel at night, like they don't make a peep. Like everybody's on their bed. They're upside down. They're snoring (laughs) because they've been running around and playing all day. So they have, they know the schedule. They know they're comfortable. Like a lot of our dogs will, This is their safe haven. So we don't allow, and I'd like to explain why we don't allow people to walk through our facility because a lot of people get angry. They just want to walk through the kennel and see what dogs we have. And this is their safe haven. This is their home. So I try to explain to people, imagine if you were sitting on your couch in your underwear and a bunch of strange people are walking through your living room all day, (laughs) pointing at you and staring at you. Are you going to be comfortable? No. Like that's your safe space. This is their safe space so that Mm -hmm. I don't want people walking through the kennels all day and stressing them out. So when they come here, when I walk through at night, like there's no barking, there's no screen, there's nothing. They're just calm, sleeping, content. Sometimes they'll wake up and look at me, but there's no, there's no craziness. When somebody they don't know walks through the kennel, then they bark they, and I don't want right. them to do that all day long. Like right. when you walk into a shelter, it's stressful. And I'm not saying 
that that the shelters are bad and that they're doing something wrong. Like I, I get it. And I understand that they have to have people walking through their facilities. Of course, yeah. We don't, we don't have to do that. And this is their, their home. So I try and make it as peaceful for them as possible. And when we do have people come in for adoptions, we take their applications first and then we match up those dogs that work with that application and whether the dog is in the kennel or the dog is in a foster home, we'll make sure that they're at the facility and we can do the meet and greet appropriately instead of having you walk through the kennel and not know the background of the dogs, not know the temperament of the dogs and basically stress everybody out. And right. at a shelter that happens all day long where people just walk through all day long. So it's, it's very stressful where I don't want that for them here. I love that you say that because, and, and that makes perfect sense. This is their safe haven. When people come to adopt from you, they're not going to a shelter. They're going to a licensed rescue organization that adopts out the dogs that have been saved. So for the benefit of the dog and the adopter, this is a fantastic way to say, hey, that's their private space. They're in their bedroom, per se. Let me call them out here so they can come and meet you. I love that analogy of like, yeah, if, if bunch of people are coming through my house all day because they want to see all the rooms. I'm like, ah, I don't want that, you know? Let me go outside and meet you out front, you know? <laughs> to be comfortable. Yeah. And sometimes we'll take dogs that they're, it's their first day out, they go to an event, and they're, they're stressed, they're nervous. And then they get back to Husky House, and they literally, they'll, like, get into the building, and, and they'll be like, oh, thank God, thank yes. God, we're, like, I'm home. And Aww. when you see that, you know, like, what we're doing is is right. Like we're doing the right thing. And although people might get upset with it, it's not about them. It's about what's what's the best thing for these dogs. And they need to feel comfortable and safe here. Yeah. We don't want strangers walking through and upsetting them all day long, every day. Right. Because that's what will keep them adaptable, well-socialized, easygoing, and able to have those clear lines of communication with people they're familiar with. So I love that. And to the point you brought up, you know, it's not that shelters are doing anything bad. Shelters are either funded by the city, the state. They might be private shelters, but they're still a place where the public can adopt. And we don't want people to not go to shelters to adopt, but to understand that because of the way they have to be set up, the dogs will be barking. They'll be more excitable or scared or nervous, but that's not who they really are in an environment outside of that shelter. So if people take a chance, and I and I beg you to do so to adopt from a shelter you have to let the dog then come home and have the kind of space and time that Lorraine provides for example in her rescue organization because the dog needs the, those first two weeks at least of decompression and downtime and I'm assuming with a husky that's very necessary when you pull them from a shelter right Lorraine it is absolutely and, and with any dog it's you need to give them time like we you, when you bring home a dog, you want to make sure that you have the time to spend with them. You don't want to bring them home when you have a party tomorrow and you're going to have 50 people at your house. Like that's not a good time to bring a dog home. And I know you're excited. You just got a new dog. You want everybody to meet them, but they need to, they need to sit down and decompress and get comfortable within their own family now. And let, and then once they're decompressed, then you can start introducing them to everybody else. But the worst thing you can do is bring a new dog home and have 15 people come over to your house. Like that's just, it's too much. So they really need time to decompress and time to settle in and, and get to know you and you get to know them and 
Right. It's not going to be perfect immediately. Mm -hmm. And for any adopters who are interested in training or getting uh, the services of a trainer, um, I know I'm very careful, and I've had four trainers on the podcast, but I'm super careful on who I recommend. I try to cover around the United States different trainers that I've either known, come across, or have worked with myself. But out in New Jersey, what do you say to people who are like, hey, do I need a trainer? Or, oh, gosh, I think I need to hire a trainer. What direction do you suggest they go in when adopting a Husky? We have a, a couple of trainers that we work with. Definitely something positive. Mm-hmm. Huskies don't respond well to rough handling. They right. don't respond well to um, to punishment. They're not really interested in. They're not a German Shepherd that's really interested in you know pleasing you. It's it's kind of what's in it for me. Like a German Shepherd, they they want to do whatever they can to make you happy. A Husky really doesn't care. Definitely something purely positive and consistency exercise. Yeah and consistency, getting them exercise, getting them tired, and, you know, setting boundaries, like the worst thing. And what most people do is they bring husky puppy home. And husky puppies in general are very mouthy, and they bite. And they, you know, it's cute when they're a tiny little puppy, and oh, it's so cute. And everybody laughs, and nobody corrects that behavior. And now that dog is 10 months old, or getting up on a year old, eight months old. And now it hurts. Mm -hmm you know, no one's done anything to correct that behavior. And now you've got a dog that, you know, has some issues. And um, that's usually when they get to us. And then we have to, you know, work with that. And like, Damien, who that little puppy that had the juvenile cataracts, he was, right. he was a beast when he got here. Oh. <laughs> like when you took him for a walk, he was five months old, and he you'd have your clothes would be ripped. And you'd have bruises all over you. And there wasn't, there's not a mean bone in his body. Oh my gosh. He was just out of control. No one ever taught him anything. And um, we had a, a, a Husky Tennyson that came from Mississippi. And he literally, it, the bruises that we all had all over our bodies from Tenny was oh like, people God. would be like, oh my God, what happened to you? <laughs> like, oh, it's, I took Tenny out. And, um, but there, again, there wasn't a mean bone in his body. It's just no one taught him anything. And, you know, it took a while for us to to train him and to work with him to, you know, to stop that crazy behavior. So you really, as soon as you bring that puppy home, especially with a big dog like, you know, huskies and, and shepherds, and you need to set boundaries and you need to have rules and Nothing in life is free, you know, don't just give them whatever they want. They have to work for it. And then you'll have a much better behaved dog as opposed to just letting that puppy run around doing all the cute things that puppies do and not correcting it because eventually it's going to be a problem. Absolutely. And a lot of them on the kennel cards in the shelter, when you see it, oh, you know, uh, it's not even a bite. It's like it got mouthy and it was too harsh. And literally for that, somebody will surrender them to the shelter. So if our listeners and and whomever you share this podcast episode with could understand that they're babies 
and they need to be taught things. And they're no longer with their dog mama who's going to teach them, put them in their place and, and, you know, lay down some ground rules. We as humans are communicating with a different species and we have to find signs and language that help us communicate with them and proper boundaries. And like you said, I love that you said consistency. What I've noticed with my pack, even though I have five pity mixes and a pug, is that consistency is everything. A schedule and a routine, they love it. They thrive and they just, they can't wait. They're such good dogs because you've given them that. So, and to anyone with young children, um, and I say it from experience because I have a six-year-old son, but obviously since he was born, he's been surrounded by canines. He knows not to smother them, not to sit on them, not to grab them. Or, you know, there's just, I've seen a lot of videos and pictures and families who get puppies and especially I've seen it with huskies the kids love them they look like stuffed animals they're not stuffed animals everyone please remember that they're live beings and that nipping and that biting and that play biting it's not funny when it gets you know when the dog gets a little bit bigger so I really stress that because I want the safety for everyone so that we have good experiences so that adopt don't shop really does mean something. We're doing something positive. Um, don't just get out of it by saying, well, you know, I tried that and I ended up, you know, getting bit or this or that. Just excuses. I think people need to take more responsibility for their actions and take better inventory of, are you ready to take on the type of dog that you're adopting and getting and implementing that into your lifestyle? So sorry for the tangent there, Lorraine, but I just I get very passionate about this because it can work. And I'm somebody who grew up afraid of dogs, who didn't have dogs growing up, who got my first dog in my early 20s. And she changed my life. She changed my life. And I never thought I would be somebody to advocate and rescue and adopt. It just that was not something I ever pictured. So if I can do it, and I know that my son is now growing up being such a wonderful, loving, empathetic child, I know we can do it. It's in us. We just have to pay attention, be mindful, and, um, you know, just take some inventory a little bit. <laughs> so tell us, Lorraine, where can our listeners find and follow to support Husky House New Jersey? Um, our website is huskyhouse.org. Um, we're also on Instagram, Husky House NJ, and Facebook is also Husky House NJ. Our Facebook page is um, pretty regular. We do a lot of, we do lives. We're also on TikTok. So we go live and there's always photos of like a quick snapshot of somebody that just arrived or, so it's all pretty updated. Our website has um, usually a couple days off, but that's where you can follow us. So we're all, right. all over social media as much as possible. One of our volunteers runs our TikTok page. So she's always doing videos with the dogs out in the yard. So you get to see them in playtime and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Oh, those are so fun. Well, I will have those live links in the show notes for this episode. So anyone can easily scroll down to connect and support Husky House NJ. Our listeners should also know that I am not getting paid to advocate for any organization or individual on this podcast. I choose to interview guests from organizations that I know are doing the good work for dogs and for people across America. Thank you so much, Lorraine, for your time. I know how busy you guys are out there, and I know weekends are a really fun time for, for adoptions. So um, I will stay tuned for more on your pages, as I always do. Is there anything else you want to let us know or inspire us with as, as we uh, say goodbye? But uh, 
leave our listeners with something to think about? Well, thank you for having us. But I, I think whether you're looking for a husky or what, whatever it is that you're looking for, and if, even if you want to go to a breeder, if you're not going to adopt, go to your National Breed Club website for Huskies. It's the Hus- Siberian Husky Club of America. And all of those clubs will have a rescue link on there. And they'll also have a breeder link on there as well. So you know that you are going through somebody that's reputable and you shouldn't, whether you go through a breeder or or a rescue, you shouldn't be able to just go somewhere and pay for a dog without somebody checking you out. (laughs) So you want to make sure that you go somewhere reputable so you know what you're getting yourself into and that you're not supporting backyard breeders or a puppy mill or anything like that. Thank you so much for that. Please support Husky House NJ and the mission of saving, adopting, and properly caring for all of our beautiful dogs out there. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Thanks for having us. There are Husky dogs in shelters all over the country today. As I am saying this here, I know of many myself that once had a home and slept in a comfy bed, but today they are sleeping on a concrete floor behind bars. I don't say this to purposely upset you. I say it because it is the truth, and yes, sometimes the truth hurts, as cliche as that might sound. It's not just a saying, but we can change that. I hope our conversation with Lorraine from Husky House has offered you some insight on this wonderful breed and that perhaps you'll step into a dog shelter and give a beautiful Husky dog a chance to be your companion. And if you adopt one from a rescue organization like Husky House, you are also opening up a spot for the rescue to save another. If we teach our canine companions how to communicate with us and we exercise with them, especially a husky, your dog will thrive and be a wonderful family pet. There are many resources to reach out to when you need help and guidance, so use them and don't give up on your dog. And if you're not ready to adopt, that's okay. Then share this information with someone. You might be saving a dog's life when you do. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please press subscribe on our podcast and tell your dog-loving and husky-loving friends all about it. Until next time, hang on to those leashes. The canine condition. Come, sit, stay.